0: Broadband, internet service providers,
1: in real simple syndication are proud to bring you Carlin and Jordan's Most Excellent Movie Night. Thank
0: you so much for listening to this episode of Carlin and Jordan's Most Excellent Movie Night. That over there is Carlin.
1: And that over on the other side is Jordan.
0: And today we are going to be doing another fan selection. And this one is a fan selection starring Bill Murray.
1: Yeah, yeah. We love the Bill Murrays. At least I do. Do you um, love the Bill Murray? I'm not a huge fan, honestly. Yeah, I knew it. Um,
0: I don't know. He he never... I know that he's a really personable guy in real life, but a lot of the roles I've seen him in, he's a very distant character, mm-hmm. and I have a hard time relating to the character choices that he makes. Okay, I can... So, yeah, you know, that's
1: fair enough. But the movie is Broken Flowers. Yes. Uh, it was a fan selection from... A one, Seth Harris.
0: And he's made a few selections for us before. He
1: has. Uh, One of the reasons that I chose this one um, when I was looking through our massive spreadsheet of fan choices is because it's it's a bit of work to (laughs) see a title that someone wants from a large spreadsheet and search in Netflix to see if it's there. So this was kind of the first one. I searched a bunch, and this was the first one that I found in there. So I was like, Broken Flowers, yeah. we're going for it, let's do it.
0: I think some of them have, like, URLs next to them, so... So they actually are there. If they are there, then you can just go directly to the movie. Yeah, but I was
1: also looking, trying to avoid certain genres that we had kind of just done right. as yeah. well, so...
0: Yeah, so we've done, we've done a lot of different things now. And it's funny because, um, well, people will hear in the, in the movies that we've chosen recently, I think... That we wound up choosing two very s- similar movies.
1: We did. Uh, um,
0: so that that's going to be an interesting comparison, right there.
1: Yeah, which I did. Yeah, probably either our next or after that uh, review will be a kind of similar film, and that would end up being my pick, yeah. my personal pick. And I thought about that after the picks were made, and I was kind of like, oh, maybe I should change it. I'm like, you know what? No, yeah. it's fine. It's
0: fine. It's fine. Sometimes we just find similar things that are scratching our interest at that point. Why not? So, anyway, let me go ahead and give you the Netflix, Netflix summary, and then we'll continue on from there.
1: 2005 movie. 2005. Yeah. I d- believe I saw it in the theater when it came out, actually. Did you? Yeah, I think I did. Huh. Uh, I did not. Um, let's go ahead and read the, uh, the
0: Netflix summary. After being dumped yet again, a serial bachelor vows he'll be alone forever. But when he receives an anonymous letter, he learns he has a teenage son.
1: Questionable. Questionable. Very Whether questionable. he actually does or does not. Yeah. Um. But I think it's interesting that they say a serial bachelor.
0: Yeah. The, that they that they put it in a way that he's not someone who is always in a relationship, but is always cheating. Yeah. But he always chooses to remain single.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because they could have just said a bachelor and people just kind of get it. But serial bachelor just means a person who's just habitually moving on, moving on, moving on. Which you actually see in the film.
0: Yeah, but I didn't feel like he moved on from his first relationship in the film. It felt like that was forced on him a little bit. But anyway, we'll talk about that in a moment. Uh, Right now, just to cover... um, a little bit more about the film. It was actually directed by Jim Jarmusch. Um and he's directed a whole bunch of films, uh really famous films too. Um like for one of those is uh the 1995 film Dead Man starring uh, Johnny Depp. Um and that's one of the Johnny Depp movies that I haven't seen, but it looks I, really I haven't interesting. either. Um he's also done The Limits of Control. That was a 2009 release. I um, haven't that, seen that either. No, um, it's actually made a lot of best-of lists. Really? Yeah, like okay. best-of-the-decade lists. So well, I'll uh, have to check it out. Yeah, I'll have to check that one out as well. And then he also did Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai. have not
1: seen that. No. <laughs> but I have seen Coffee and Cigarettes that he did. Yeah, he did do Coffee and Cigarettes. I thought that was a very fun, interesting movie. It's a bunch of small kind of vignettes mm-hmm. of... Um, famous people just getting together and having coffee and cigarettes and the kind of conversations that happen, which by the way, Bill Murray was in Coffee and Cigarettes. Oh, was he with the RZA and the Jiza from Wu Tang Clan? Huh. Um, it was an interesting juxtaposition where they're hanging out at the coffee at a coffee shop, having coffee and cigarettes, and Bill Murray is serving at the coffee shop, but he's playing himself, and so they're basically like, "You're Bill Murray." And it's a funny moment because Larissa goes, you're Bill Murray. Bill, mm-hmm. Ghost, a Groundhog Day, Ghostbustin' Ass Murray. Yeah. And I just think that was a great line. Well,
0: and of course, when you say that, you mentioned like several of the films that he's most well-known for. Yeah. Groundhog Day, Ghostbusters. He's also really well-known for uh, Lost in Translation. That's mm, another one of his yeah. films. Good one. Yeah, and of course, he did uh, Zombieland, which is... Probably my favorite movie because that's the most personable I've ever seen him. Yeah. You know, and it it also was pretty funny that he he got himself killed. He's upcoming, he's going to be in uh, The Jungle Book. Really? Um, Yeah, they're doing a remake of The Jungle Book and he's going to be Baloo the Bear. Oh, cool. So that should be interesting to see.
1: Some of the older stuff he was in, he did Meatballs, which is an awesome movie. Um, He also did Caddyshack, Mm -hmm. which a lot of people love Caddyshack, which i got to confess I haven't seen it all the way through ever yet. I would like to. It's just one of those movies that's eluded me. He was
0: also in the Royal
1: Tannenbaums. A lot of Wes Anderson stuff. Kind of all of it. Um, I think he's in the Grand Budapest Hotel. I think he was in um, Moonrise Kingdom. He was in Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, which was the film he did immediately before doing Broken Flowers. Right. And is a very good movie. I saw that in the theater. And he
0: also did Ed Wood.
1: Yeah, Ed Wood, which that's a uh,
0: Which is a really good movie.
1: Most recently, I actually saw at a drive-in theater called Benji's, which is an awesome, awesome place to go. Yes. Um, the movie he's in called St. Vincent. Yeah,
0: and that one looks fantastic.
1: It is fantastic. If you're going to like Bill Murray, I think you're going to like him in St. Vincent. And it was weird because I've never seen Bill Murray actually do an accent. Yeah. He always just speaks how just he normally speaks. Just kind of normally as he goes. In St. Vincent, he does this great, thick Boston accent, and it's perfect. And it just blew me away because I never thought of him as a person who would ever do an accent.
0: Well, it, well, maybe it was something that was called for specifically in the script. Um, but or it might have been that he was trying to challenge himself a little bit. But yeah, he... Um, St. Vincent looks really good I know my it's par- great my I parents it. saw it and they thought it was fantastic yeah, I so. recommend that one yeah another actor who plays a pretty big role in the movie is um, is Jeffrey Wright uh, and he's he's been a whole bunch of stuff as well he's been in Christina Royale um, and mm. of course we love our Bond which is kind yeah, of funny we, that we haven't done a Bond movie yet
1: I know Skyfall was on Netflix I don't know if it still ah, is
0: it was the other week he um Jeffrey Wright also was in the Hunger Games, uh, the Mockingjay, which we just reviewed not too long ago. He was uh, one of the crazy guys. Um, I'm sorry, not Mockingjay, uh, Catching Fire. Catching Fire, yeah. Yeah, but he we'll was. We'll review also,
1: Mockingjay at some point. <laughs> we, yeah, we will. Look forward to crapping on that. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I actually heard that one wasn't even worth seeing in theaters. Oh,
1: perfect! Yeah, then I'm excited.
0: Um, he's been in the Ides of March. Ooh, that was good. Uh, he was in. Um, the Invasion, and uh, Lady in the Water, uh, which left some people cold. I liked it, and he was in also the remake of the Manchurian Candidate as okay. well.
1: I haven't seen that. Um,
0: the man, I haven't seen the remake. Um, the The Manchurian Candidate, the original one, is actually one of my favorite movies of all time. So, cool. It's yeah, it's it's a really good one, and of course, um, some of the other actors in Broken Flowers uh, include like Sharon Stone. Yeah. You know, and of course, she, her film pedigree is, is yeah. pretty up there. Got Jessica Lange,
1: Tilda Swinton. Yeah, yeah. they they had Chloe a,
0: Seventy. I was really surprised at like how many big actors were yeah. in this fairly small independent movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was um, it was interesting, and you know, going into the film. The way a way that we usually don't for this podcast, because I look at, and see who who all's in it before I watch it, so I kind of yeah. know. But if you watch this and you didn't do that ahead of time, you would be like, "Oh, I oh. recognize that person," and no, I recognize exactly. that person.
0: It would just be a big jump one from the other, and you'd uh, kind of have, have a bit of a, a good surprise going into the film.
1: Yeah. Uh, so this film, a, a few you know cool tidbits I want to throw out about the film itself. Uh, it was actually nominated for Palme d'Or yeah. in at the Cannes Film Festival. Didn't win it, but it was nominated. But it did win the Grand Prix uh, award there, so very cool. That's a very big award. Yeah, it is. Uh, and then one of the other cool things is apparently, if if people have seen, you know, kind of the the still shot for for the film where it says "Broken Flowers" in yeah. pink, um, it's written kind of odd. And what Jim Jarmusch had done is he had each of the actresses that were playing uh, Don Johnston's exes yeah. uh, had them write uh, letters, write broken flowers. Oh, really? In the way that they believe their characters would write it, and then he put those all together. Like, so it has significance.
0: Like in handwriting, because it yes. looks like type. Like the yeah, way it, that it was put together.
1: Yeah, it does look like type, but he had him do it handwriting wise. By handwriting, huh? Yeah. So he just said, however, you know, they think their character would do it. So, I thought that was interesting. Also, Jim Jarmusch got sued in two thousand six. You know, remember this came out in two thousand five. Right. He was sued in two thousand six by a man named Reed Martin, who claimed that he stole the concept for Broken Flowers because they he had apparently had a script that was similar, and they were. Um, in some of the same friend circles, and so he was claiming it was st- stolen. Come 2007, a court actually dismissed the case. Yeah. So it became nothing. Yeah. Um, those things are kind of hard to prove. Yeah. Um,
0: um, yeah. Well, unless you have something that where you can show line for line, like here's what I wrote in 2004, here's what he wrote in 2005, and in, in match them up. Yeah. But even that's really hard to prove without, like, Registering a copyright beforehand and everything yes. like that.
1: And that is the big thing. Yeah. register copyright. Yeah. That's what you gotta do. You can't... Which is why, like, if you write scripts, which I've written scripts before, um, I usually won't let many people read right. uh, until I get it copyrighted. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, now anyone can read yeah. it because... Because you have throw, just throw protection. it out there. I'm yeah. hoping someone you know steals it and makes it, and then I can take them to court.
0: Right. Well, yeah. There, There's your retirement fund right yeah, there.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So when Broken Flowers gets started, yeah. Um, it's immediately apparent that it's gonna there's gonna be some sort of mystery to solve. Yes. Because you know you see the letter, the pink letter slipped into the mail, and you can only see a gloved hand right. doing it. So, you know, you're just. Led to assume, okay, it's a mystery. You know, right. gloved hand people automatically make an assumption, okay, we're not supposed to know who's doing this. And also,
0: the letter in and of itself is pink. Mm-hmm. So you might automatically think, oh, well, because it's pink, it most likely is sent by a woman. But you right. never see who actually sends it. Correct. So it could be anyone. Um, and that actually kind of plays a big role in this story. And I think there's a couple different people who might have actually sent the letter, aside from who. Claims to be because what the letter says is that um, that Don Johnston's character had had a relationship with with this woman, this alleged woman who had sent the letter, and she had become pregnant and raised their son without ever telling him because she just thought it was too complicated to go through the legal necessities. Right, um, and so she's like. I need your help because he is now left home and he's on this trip across the country well, to try and find his. That father. wasn't even
1: said, ex- uh, uh, explicitly. That was not said. Well, that wasn't in the letter. No, it was. it was just. It just basically said that the kid is resourceful. Yeah. It it kind of hinted at the the child may be looking and can find out. It didn't specifically say that they left ha- home, and I think you probably thought that because his character definitely starts to think yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. This kid could be out anywhere, and that's kind of planted by his neighbor, Winston. Right. Who says, you know, he could be, you know, showing up at your door, like, any time.
0: Yeah, and Winston is a, Winston's a crazy
1: character. He just wants to do something. Yeah, he's bored. Well, he's bored because he's a family man, and he has way too many children, in my opinion. He's got five kids, and I am... People, this is socially irresponsible. This is, this is Carlin's... (laughs) soapbox to get on, and my side note, it is socially irresponsible to have that many children. It is socially irresponsible to have any more than two. Replacing yourself is okay, in my opinion. Having one child, better because you're taking down the population. Having zero children, probably the best thing you can do if you're okay with that. Uh, I don't think anyone should be deprived of having children if they want to have children, but please limit it to two. Please. So this is the awkward part where I tell Carlin that I'm actually the oldest of five uh, I really am I know one brother yeah. and three sisters well and my pa- you know I am the, the middle child of three no so my parents violated what I like what I want anyway, but in all fairness they came before me so. yes
0: well and to be fair um the youngest two are, are adopted so oh well there you go there is a there is a little bit of a someone difference
1: else had birthed there. them and they needed home so <laughs> yeah um,
0: good but anyway um, I, I thought I thought his family I thought Winston's family was hilarious because they're like this Caribbean family who's moved in next door uh, to 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 Don and these um, Don actually interacts really well with oh, the little yeah. kids.
1: Well, and I think that's kind of a showing of he potentially wishes that he had settled down. I think he does. There's a little... You see that because he's so warm with that family. Yeah. But also, it's, it's just such an interesting stark contrast to have them living next to each other. Yeah. It's just cool for the movie because you see... You know, this crazy household of kids running all over the place and playing, and it's nuts. It's crazy. And then you get to Don's house, and it's... It's quiet. It's It's so quiet, it's dark. Yeah. It's just him sitting on a couch, like, watching TV.
0: But the amazing thing is that Don and Winston have such a relationship. They're very close. They're friends. They're not just neighbors. They're friends. They walk in and out of each other's houses all the time. Yeah. Which I thought was pretty funny, actually.
1: Yeah, probably the funniest part is when... Don gets a call from Winston, yeah. and he sees him walking in his yard. He's like, are I'm you like, calling are you me on the cell, cell phone? And then he just walks in. Uh, they have an interaction, and then he keeps talking to him and walks back. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's pretty funny. It's, it's, Winston it's, does a good job of adding the comedic value yeah. uh, to a lot of the film, although there are a lot of other comedic moments in it. And one of the most interesting things for me is Bill Murray's known for just doing comedy roles. Yes. His role was serious. Yeah. He doesn't make any jokes or anything like that. It's a
0: very deadpan role.
1: Yes, but I think he did a lot of subtle things in his acting that allowed comedic moments to... Uh, be more emphasized. Well,
0: it felt like he was—he was the straight man for everybody else in the entire movie. Right. Um, which is interesting because you know when you have a mystery, you need something that you can relate to and then extrapolate the mystery from there. So, you know what what the character of Don Johnston does um, is he's this character who you can identify with because. He he is the single guy. We've Everybody's been single in their life at one point or another. You know, he kind of wants a relationship with somebody, but he can't seem to find the one relationship. And when when his girlfriend leaves at the beginning of the movie, it almost feels like um, she's leaving because he's cheated on her in some way. But he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who would, who would cheat like that.
1: Right. Well... What's interesting in the beginning to me is he just seems like this is the routine. Yeah. You know? Like he just can't get close to somebody. And when she's leaving, there's an interesting moment where he tells her to stop. Yeah. And you can tell he wants to say something, but he he, he doesn't he doesn't have anything to say though. Yeah. Like he wants he wants to be in a relationship, but he doesn't want that relationship. So he just has this knee-jerk reaction of, like, let me... I, I want to say something to make you stay, but I, I just don't have anything to say to make you stay because I don't really want you to. I just want a I want, person there. I, want I don't the want you. I the comfort
0: of somebody there, but I don't think you're really
1: the best fan. Right, exactly. You know.
0: So it got a little weird there.
1: I like that because I thought it added a lot of depth to... Um, the character of Don Don Johnston, and this was so early, too.
0: It was very early, and, and it really felt like he was, honestly, to me, it felt like he was a blank, a blank slate where the viewer could write whatever expectations they had on that character. Because, you know, you have a character who has an inability to communicate what he's feeling, you could say, Well, he's the repressed man right. or you could say, Well, he, he's the person who really doesn't love her anymore. You could say all sorts of different things about the character. And they all kind of work in the story. There's nothing that yes. really goes against the character, and that's a very difficult thing to portray.
1: Right. And I think it's it's a strength for the film that the character's written that way because yeah. being a type of mystery which yeah. I mean it's a it's a mystery yeah. story. Um that type of character is perfect because you know, it's not a straightforward mystery where you find out the answer in the end. So because there is no clear answer, having a character that people can project their thoughts and feelings onto yes. is perfect because people are gonna draw their own conclusions about what what they think the answer was in the end anyway, so they can draw their own conclusions about what they think, you know, Don is feeling or should be feeling or what he's gone through. Yeah. You know? Or will go through in the future.
0: And so it, it's very funny that we were talking about how Winston wants something to do. He's almost, at this point, living vicariously through Don's life. Because yes. this letter comes in the mail, and, um, and Winston is just all about the letter. He's, a, um, he's a, like a criminal story, a crime story enthusiast. Um, Everybody
1: so, is this day and age. Especially with the podcast Serial. Yeah. When that yeah. hit. Yeah, that was a big thing.
0: It's a great podcast.
1: It is. Um, I, I. Side note, I have a theory about the podcast. A lot of people don't understand that the term serial doesn't necessarily apply to crime. No. As we've seen in the um, description on Netflix for Broken Flowers. Right. Uses serial. It's not having to do with the crime. Well, and it, it also gonna means have, ongoing. Exactly. It just means something that's serialized that's in a series. Yeah. And a lot of people aren't thinking that. I think what's going to happen is... The first season will be done. You know, it's at this point it's done. Yeah. And they're going to do a season two. I think it's not going to be crime-related. And people are going to start jumping ship because they're going to be like, I thought this was all about crimes.
0: It could be that the next that season two is about a crime, but it doesn't
1: necessarily have to be exactly. about it. Exactly. So, I don't know. But I'll keep listening. I like it. Yeah, I like anyway, it too. Anyway, that, that was a side note. But yes, yeah, Winston, he's all about the sleuthing. Um, and I thought that was so... Uh, funny for me because it hit on one of the things that's one of my pet peeves in life is people who, uh, read one thing about a topic and then they think they're They're an expert. Yeah. Yeah, because he reads some website, which he can't even get to because he needs Don to come and fix his internet so he can look at it. He reads this website about basically solving mysteries and then he decides,
0: I'm a mystery fan. Yeah,
1: well, he decides, I can I can be a private detective, basically. Yeah. And that's why he starts inserting himself into Don's, you know, drama here and setting up his uh, wild goose chase. Um, yeah. But that just highlighted people, because I know plenty of people who will just, like, they read one article about something, or don't even read a whole article, just read a, you know, a um, headline. Or and a then,
0: Wikipedia article. Or
1: a Wikipedia article, which people wikipedia is not like proven fact no it's wikipedia yeah so um you have you have these people all the time and they just kind of be like well i read this one thing so now i know everything about it and i was just like he's that guy he is that guy that i hate but i mean his character he was a lovable person yeah yeah and he had like i said before a lot of good comedic moments yes so yeah
0: um and also, but also, he gives Don this thing that he's looking for because Don doesn't know how to express himself, like we were talking about earlier. He doesn't know how to figure out if this letter is actually verifiable.
1: Right. You know. So. Well, and honestly, he, I feel like he's not all that interested in finding out no, what's going really. on at first. And he says it after the you know after he goes on his wild goose chase. He's like, you know, this could be anything. Yeah. It could not even be legit. He even says you know, Winston, you could have done this just to keep yourself occupied.
0: Which I think is a legitimate reading of what happened.
1: It could have happened. I don't... I mean, my assumption is not... That's that's not what's hap- no. what has happened, in my opinion. But at the same time, we don't really know. Right. And it's written to be am- ambiguous, which I like. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like being able to draw my own conclusions. It's just like... And here I go again comparing things to my favorite genre, it's like with horror films. Uh When you don't see the bad guy, it's the most frightening thing in the world. It's more intriguing. It's more interesting. Because whatever you can come up with in your mind...
0: Is more frightening.
1: Well, more frightening, more interesting, more personalized to you. So in this case, since there's no definitive end, no solution, you can figure out for yourself whatever you want the solution to be. And that's going to be more... Well, most likely, it's going to be more satisfying for you. Yeah. So for that reason, you have multiple audience members interpreting it differently and trying to maximize happiness with the film. I like that aspect.
0: So one of the things that that Don has to do is he comes up with a list of all the women from around that time frame who he dated or was in a relationship with. And it was... uh, what. Four different people? Or five? Uh, well, the fifth one had died. The fifth one had died, yeah, um, So right he
1: he ended up going to her right. grave, because I think he was kind of like, well, I went and saw all these other four, might as well. Might as well continue. And I, he took pink flowers to all of them, so he's like, well, you know, the well, fifth I, one might as well.
0: I think that kind it. of was because of the the type of lady that he thought he was interested in, was, you know, the bottle, the bottle blonde who liked to wear pink clothes have pink things you know and everything like that Um,
1: and you see pink all the time you see pink
0: all the time like um, his first girlfriend who leaves him is wearing pink Um, when he gets to um, the first one's house um, her daughter is wearing pink Mm -hmm. Um, you see you see uh, one of them is wearing pink pants the other one has a pink motorcycle it's just throughout the entire film
1: yeah um, one of the one of the things I really liked about that is it's kind of trying to point out the power of suggestion. Yeah. Because Winston says, "You got to look for pink things." Yeah. So you're going to become hypersensitive to anything pink. Well, matter of fact, a lot of women do own something that's pink. At least I mean, one thing. There are guys who own some things that are pink. Yeah. Right now, I can point out I have a DVD that I own that's sitting over there that is pink. It has a pink outside. So. Whenever somebody says something, draws attention to it... Right. It becomes in the forefront of a person's mind. And you're seeing... Like, that's what's happening with Don when he goes to see all these women.
0: He fixates on them. Yeah,
1: he's seeing the pink things. And you, as the audience member, you're seeing that as well. Well,
0: and also, he he another thing that he fixates on is a typewriter.
1: Yes, that's another thing.
0: <laughs> because he thinks that this... That this letter was written out on a typewriter or something. Again, because Winston tells him that. Not necessarily true. He could have It could have been printed off on a printer. That's true. Um, but that's what he goes with. And so he becomes so focused on the typewriter that he starts asking these women all these very weird questions about typewriters. Like, do you own a typewriter? Are you going to sell a typewriter in your garage sale? Uh, Typewriter, typewriter, typewriter. It, it comes
1: up all the time. Well, not only Pink and the typewriter, but also any young male. Yeah. he Pretty much any young male that he sees that could be around the age of his potential son, um, he looks at them yeah. like, is that my son? And once again, it's the power of suggestion. Because this idea has entered his mind, he just is very cautious and kind of paranoid just looking around like, Maybe that's my son, maybe that's my son, maybe yeah. that and you see how it is a bad thing at the end because it's gonna haunt him. Yeah. Because he, you know, has that one guy who he thinks is following him and he's like, Oh, you know, is this my son? And yeah. he talks to him and he's you're very friendly with him and then he kinda pops things, he's like, I know you think I'm your, I'm, dad your and, I'm your dad and he's like, What, what? is wrong with you basically and he runs, runs off? Yeah. But then, right after that, you see another guy who's looking at him who's around the same age, and it becomes clear that this is something that's going to continue with yeah. him.
0: But Well, that, that is even more interesting because that guy is playing music that is similar to what Don's been listening to in the entire thing. We've got to talk about the score on this because it's so important. Yes.
1: But, but real quick first, the other cue, the vi- visual cue that they give, Don oftentimes wears uh, tracksuits like track yes. with the stripes on the arms, And these young men that he's seeing also are wearing clothes with stripes on the arms. Right. So that's a visual cue for the audience to to see see, how he's seeing it. Yeah, yeah. So just like with Pink, always keying in on the pink.
0: Something that we need to remember, though, is that when the film came out in 2005, tracksuit jackets were very much in fashion.
1: They're not still.
0: Uh they they kind of are, but I mean
1: and now it's just sweatpants. Yeah, in now general. <laughs> going right. out in public in sweat well, sweatpants and sweatshirts. or pajama pants or I mean, pajama pants.
0: I see that. Whatever
1: times. you feel like. Yeah. I actually commented on that the other day to my wife, and I said, "When did this happen?" I started
0: noticing it in college, actually around the same time this movie was released. It was like when I was down in the dining hall, I would always see like kids rolling in in their. Uh, in their pajamas and it got to a point where they put a sign on the door of the cafeteria if you're wearing pajamas turn around and go back to your (laughs) dorm Um, but anyway another thing about that second that second man that he was that he tried like connected with that drove by in the Volkswagen Beetle that was actually Bill Murray's physical son Homer it was his biological son, so you know you have a guy who looks a lot like Bill Murray, mm-hmm. drive by and everything like that. So, um, one of the interpretations that you could take away from it is that he starts projecting onto these young men that how he can see these similarities in them, not only in how they dress, but also in their physical appearance as
1: well. Well, it's like a paranoia. Yeah, you know. Oh, yeah, and and it's kind of like the end of, like, a good thriller. Yeah. Where you have, like, the, oh, the killer's still out there. Yeah. It was the same type of feeling and ambiance to the film, but it's kind of the opposite. Right. Of how it's supposed to feel. It's not supposed to be like, someone's going to kill me. It's going to be like, you know, there's potentially someone out there that I should be talking to and loving and, you know, taking care of, and that's going to haunt him. I mean, that it becomes very apparent, and... You can tell throughout the entire film that he's struggling with his lot in life right then because yeah. he wants a relationship but he just has no clue how to do it. And I don't think he ever had a clue. And I think it it was probably a situation where he was just in the mode of I'm a ladies man, that's what I do. So he was, you know, physically getting what he wanted, but other than that, he really he, wasn't. He
0: didn't know it. how to get the emotional satisfaction of an actual relationship. Right. He was only going for the physical aspect of it. Yeah. You yeah. know, and that's a dangerous trap to fall into. Um, but also, one thing I, I would say about it is that this paranoia of his and this fixation on the idea of he has a son out there is really um, it's he's trapped in the past in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um. And. You know, he's trapped in the past and he's trying to make his future about the past. He's not what well, I, I can't remember if this was another movie that I watched recently or a TV show. Um, but there was this line that I heard is like don't live in the past, don't live in the future. All we have right now is the present. You know, so right. live in the present and make that as as fruitful as you can. And great advice, but if you make your present all about Figuring out what's in your past and then trying to apply that to your your future, you're going to forget what's right in front of you.
1: It's true. That's true. Um, One of the things that I had written down that I want to talk about is something I saw kind of early on. I saw a parallel between Don's relationships and how Don doesn't have a computer. Yeah even though he's made all his money in computers somehow I like we don't know in, if yes. it's sales or yeah, it's not or really, development or what it's not really explained but yeah. that's why Winston calls him over cuz he knows he knows computer stuff so and then he's just kind of like why don't you have a computer like that's how you make your living yeah so i thought it was interesting because here he is a person who profited from computers yet he doesn't own his own computer well it's just like his relation his r- relationship you know he's physically profited from the relationships he's had but he's never purchased one right he's never you know what i mean he's never time bought time. in yeah. yeah and i thought that was a cool parallel to have in the film um and i picked up on that really early and i was just like i like this that's, yeah that's pretty yeah, yeah. cool i and that's one of the strengths of the film i feel like i i feel like it threw a lot of interesting things out real early on to flesh things out and develop things and make them more vibrant for the story for for later on
0: yeah um another thing i mentioned earlier that we haven't yet had a chance to talk about was the score of the
1: movie you're eventually trying i knew you're trying to get there i kept blocking so i'm sorry on that no no no, no. that's
0: fine um but this the score of the movie is really interesting because it's like um it's presented to to don As this mystery soundtrack that he can listen to while he's solving the crime and Mm -hmm. solving the mystery of who his son is and everything like that and it's like this really jazzy upbeat music and everything like that and it's really cool I thought it was really cool how Winston burns this for him Winston is crazy because he I don't know how this guy is able to afford it with five kids he's working three jobs and you know he's trying to make all ends meet but he buys, he buys um, a whole bunch of plane tickets, rents cars, all this stuff, puts him up in hotels,
1: so he can solve this crime, solve this right. mystery. Well, because this is Winston's passion, he wants to solve the crime. Right. right. I mean, it's not a crime, but to right. him, it's like solving a crime.
0: But how, does he, how can he afford all this is part of my question. Well, I don't know, but
1: I, I'll tell you this much. At no point do I see him, like, legitimately interact with his own children. Right.
0: <laughs> well, no, there, there is that one time his daughter bugs him about the cigarette.
1: Yeah, but that's not like interacting with your child. That's saying, go away. Yeah. Is I mean, that's in essence what it was. It was, it was like, get out of yeah. here.
0: Yeah, well, that's funny, actually. Don has more interactions with the children than... than
1: yeah, well, because it's those. you want what you don't have type thing. Yeah. And you know obviously Winston wants freedom yes and Don wants family and that's why Winston is vicariously living through Don and Don is kind of vicariously living through Winston and that's why he hangs out with Winston's family all the time yeah. you know it's yeah that's that's what what people do they I, don't, I wouldn't say it's really common. Well, you know what? Never mind. I it think is it very is common, common that people vicariously live through Other like, well, television, we, movies. Yeah. I mean, you're vicariously living by doing those Not things. Not only
0: that, but we always ask people, how was your weekend? Because yeah. we want to know what cool things you did while we were at home doing chores.
1: Yeah. You know? <laughs> Not me. I don't care. I, mean, I don't ever ask people what they were up to.
0: Yeah. He pretty much, when I come in, he says, I don't care what you did. Let's
1: just record a podcast. (laughs) Jordan, I don't care where you've been, what you've done. Just sit down and do this podcast.
0: But I was just bungee jumping. I don't care, Jordan. From an airplane. I
1: don't care. But let me set you up on this wild goose chase. Yeah. So I can live vicariously through you that way. Okay. Um, Is there going to be a good soundtrack? There will be an excellent soundtrack. Fantastic. Which, that's the thing. The soundtrack is good. It It is good. It was fun. It was interesting. I had written down in my notes that... Uh, I thought it was a very cool, interesting way to incorporate music in- into, the- into the film. Because a lot of times there's no music. He'd get in the car, puts in the CD, and that's when the music starts.
0: Well, and I, th- I thought that was a great use of sound. Is that- yeah is that you know? Uh, in some portions it's very quiet, in other portions you have this music that would be ambient through a sound system. So I thought that that was really well played out and helped actually drive the story in a lot of ways because once you get back into the car and you hear the music, you're like, all right, time to go to the next yeah. part of the adventure. And that's, a, that's another thing, is that the film is only 90 minutes long, but it moves incredibly quickly for something that is so understated in its
1: approach. Yeah, it's, um, it's an hour and 45 minutes. Is it? I yeah. thought it was 90 minutes. Hour 45, yeah. Mm. I, I specifically looked at the running time because I watched it like right before we got together to ah. record. Ah. Um, sometimes I do that. I Actually, pretty much always I'll have like one movie that, because we usually will record like a few at a time. Yeah. And I'll always have one right before we record because I want it to be like super, super fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I typically watch at least, uh, like, all my movies, like, right before we hey, Well, together. that's a good thing, so... But, uh, but yeah, an hour and 45 minutes, it does not at all feel like that, which is kind of phenomenal because it's not a fast-paced movie. No, it's not.
0: It's, it's very slow-paced, actually.
1: It's just there's enough interesting stuff going on that's pulling you in. And that's kind of the thing. Like, everybody loves some sort of mystery. Audiences love mysteries, hence why, you know, we were talking before, Serial Podcast is such a big deal... I mean, it's the biggest podcast like, ever. W- yeah, ever. Uh, it was the first one to reach 5 million downloads as fast as it did. I don't yeah. know exactly how fast that was, but I know that statistic. So. I know that it's beating us out. I mean, for Oh, is re- it? Oh, yeah. I thought we were way more we're, popular. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know.
0: <laughs> no, but I mean, like, Bone Throwers of Theater, I've always been impressed by how many downloads it gets. Yeah. Because um, we have over 7,000 downloads at this point, I think. It's pretty Which, good. You know, for for a whole bunch of people just sitting around a table playing a game, that's yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah. Um, and this one, we have um, le- less downloads than that. We I think we have about two thousand downloads uh, for Carlin and Jordan's. Uh, but you know, still those numbers uh, f- for how we do this, because honestly, we do it in pretty guerrilla style. We're yeah. not we're not very
1: uh, flashy on our websites or anything like that. But we still. We deliver the content. We deliver strong content. It's not about the marketing or the uh, you know flash. It's just about content.
0: Although if we did like a vlog series on the new Flash TV show, I'd be pretty happy.
1: Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. You go ahead. That's not my bag. I'm typically not a TV show type person, especially not mainstream television. I don't know. Just not my thing. Not your thing. No, typically not. Um. So, all the exes were interesting in their own ways. Oh my gosh, yes. The first one, okay, I have a question on that. Is a professional organizer legitimate? Closet organizer? Yeah. She said she was a professional closet organizer. I was wondering if maybe she was trying to not say she was a prostitute. I don't know. I don't don't
0: know. Um, I'll have to look that up. I'll look that up while you talk. Professional
1: closet organizer. Yeah, because, I mean... It just struck me as super weird that it, someone would legitimately pay for it that. It
0: sounds odd, but I know that my closets are never organized. But would
1: you pay someone to come organize it? You I know, don't know. You'd I probably mean, rather just sift through <laughs> and find what you want whenever.
0: Right. Yeah, I mean, I'm not... I'm not but I'm not also a, a neat, neat freak kind of guy. Right. You know, I think that there are some people who would really be into making sure that their information like their their belongings are well organized I know my mom uh, really like um, freaks out about like when her closets are not organized and oh, she'll really? like spend at least three days every spring summer fall and winter organizing closets so I mean it's not fun no
1: <laughs> sounds terrible I I always hated it when, <laughs> but when, the um the interesting thing about that character is that I feel like she never moved on from Don. No, I don't think so. I mean, Because she was, she was happy to see him. They slept together that night. Yeah. I mean, she was out and happy and waving to him when he was on his way out of town. Like, I think she. I think if he was like, I'm going to move in, she would be like, yeah, oh, yeah, let's do this.
0: I think her daughter would have been into that
1: as well. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: By the way, cluttercouch.com... Is a professional a closet organizing service. Okay, so based it, out of Chicago,
1: it's a thing. It's that's sad, but it's a thing. God, that's sad. <laughs> okay, well, you know, I'm sorry if I offended anyone who uh, employs a professional closet organizer.
0: That yeah, well, you know what? We learn things every day, yeah. and uh, we'll just move on from that. But yeah, I mean, like you can tell pretty, pretty quickly that. Um, that uh Laura's daughter Lolita. Lo, Lolita. I, as soon as she told us our, her name I'm like, "Well,
1: yeah. this is trouble." Well, and what's worse is that the mom named her that. Yeah.
0: I mean, w- what parent in their right mind would name their
1: ch- ch- their daughter Lolita? Well, I think they were kind of trying to show that the mother's not a good mother. No. So.
0: Well, and she lets she, she lets her underage daughter drink a whole huge glass full of wine. Yeah. You know, so that that was another great parenting choice.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a whole lot of terribleness um, with that one. But then the second one, this person's very like she's very frigid, frigid, prim and proper. Everything's yeah. so sterile looking. They live in a model
0: house because they're realtors.
1: Well, they they do prefab houses. Yeah. And it's funny because her life is prefab. Very prefab. I mean, even he stays for dinner, and the food. He's it's like, s- like it's a crab. Crab. It looks square like, piece of chicken. Yeah, it, everything's like very symmetrical. Yeah. And it looks like there's no sort of like flavor to it, honestly. It's very bland. It's just like.
0: <laughs> he takes a bite of it and he just kind of rolls it around his tongue like, oh! Yeah.
1: Everything is bland. Her relationship with her husband is bland. But there's like resentment there, too. Yeah. You can pick Well, up it on. seems
0: like the husband character was incredibly jealous of, of Dawn. Yeah.
1: Well,. It's obvious that she did not let go of Don either, yeah. Um, because she was still wearing a pearl necklace that he had given her. Oh yeah, and 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 the
0: husband Ron actually grabs a photograph. And is like, look at her. This is when she was young and beautiful and everything like. And it's a picture that Don had taken.
1: Yes. Yeah. So it, it becomes apparent that she just held on to a bunch of stuff that was Don related and yeah. the, the man she ended up marrying his name was, was Ron. Ron. Yeah. So she was trying to get as close as she could to being with Don. Uh, and then the third woman was Carmen. Carmen
0: was interesting. She was the the animal communicator. Yes. Um, and, and that one that part was kind of funny because um, she had originally been a lawyer um, and then her, her pet A dog named Winston had died, and she suddenly magically had this ability to speak to animals. Yes, Um, she had completely moved on past Don.
1: Yes, um, but I, you know, I wonder if maybe he was a moment in her life where things, where he created chaos, yeah, where otherwise there would have been order for the rest of her life. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I think she. I think you're right. I think she was over him at that point, but I'm not sure if she like deep down was over him. Yeah. He he had an impact. He had a he in, had in a, a negative big, way. A
0: big impact in her life and yeah. it it kind of would have been interesting if the movie was a, a little bit longer where we could see flashbacks to moments in their relationships, but again, that ambiguity that was there was also kind of interesting as well. Yeah. And, and um I, I never, animal, you know, professional closet designer was your thing. Yeah. Animal communicator for me was, right. was an interesting one. Because I know people talk to their pets all the time.
1: I talk to my pet,
0: yeah. my cat. But your cat also has body language right. and she has like cues that she gives you that lets you know what she wants. You don't need to take her to some kind of mix between an animal psychic and
1: therapist. Right. to be able to communicate with Chloe. I mean, I understand, like, pet behavioralists. Yes. Because they can tell you, okay, typically a cat or a dog will do this because they need this. Like, it's going off of what, you know, the species typically does. And, and also observable science. Right, right. And if they, you know, if they come around and they see them in their natural habitat and they're yeah. kind of like, oh, I can tell because I've been around X amount of cats or dogs that this is what this behavior means like that makes sense right but the whole like animal communicator thing like just bring an animal in and i'll sit and look at them and they talk to me um no i don't I, I thought it was bullshit. kind of i
0: thought it was pretty funny like the guy who that was, was walk, funny walking out with the rabbit you know it's like that was some hard stuff that you had to say but i really appreciate you opening up and it was like what was he saying you don't change my uh my my betting enough? I don't I don't yeah. know what it was.
1: It's obvious that Don did not buy the yeah. whole uh, pet communicator thing either. I mean, yeah. he, he made a few kind of jabs at her about that, which I thought were, you know, they're kind of funny. And
0: it also would seem, that would also like tinge their relationship if he was always doing stuff like that, saying stuff to her that kind of set her off on edge then I can see why their relationship was
1: chaotic and broke up the way that it did. Yeah. I think that you can probably see small glimpses of what the relationships were like when he goes to, you know, visit each of each right. them. Right. And I actually think that the, the title of Broken Flowers... Re- um,
0: probably refers to the women more than...
1: Yeah, it refers to the women as flowers because he's bringing them all pink flowers and... You know, each of them has become broken in one way or another, yeah. and I think in many of the cases, or maybe all of the cases, it's because of Don, because um, because it, it is kind of like a what would have happened if he stayed with any one of them, you know. And I think, I think it seemed like with all of them he moved on except the final one. Uh, yeah. Well, not the final one because the final one was actually the one who was dead. But yeah. The second to last one in that
0: case. Oh, uh, the um, the one who was played by uh, Toto Swin- yes.
1: Swinton. Yes, I forget what her name was in that, but... Yeah. Penny. It was Penny, Penny, yeah. Yes. And Which, the moment he had with her was very well done as far as tension goes. It was very layered. It was extremely tense. and yeah. It was just like, you kind of didn't know where things were going to go there, and I liked it. Yeah, I
0: it well, that crafty. one, you know, he was surrounded by, like, every all the other times there was nobody there or only one other person there actually there was always there was always one other person in in the scenes or like nearby when he was talking with the, the other woman the first one it was the daughter and the second one it was ron the husband and the third one it was the therapist assistant um so in this fourth one though he's surrounded by very aggressive men
1: yeah, um, I think you're right. That was the most hostile environment. Yeah. Um, all the other environments were either neutral or tranquil. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Um, so he kind of like walked into the lion's den. On yeah. That well, I mean, he did. He got punched in the face. Penny so. was
0: li- Penny's living with with bikers, and apparently has had a very very hard life, living off almost off the ground, It seems yeah. like.
1: Yeah. And there's a question as to if the the son is hers. Uh, Could be. But then there's the question of if the son even exists at all, because it could have been a situation where, you know, there's the idea that Winston just did it himself so that he could have something to do. I don't really think that was probably not the case. But um, Sharon, the the person in the very beginning who leaves Don, you know, he had said... She uh, drops uh, a note in the mail with the same kind of look to it. Yeah, Winston said, you know, maybe she sent this to just, like, mess with you. Yeah that's possible
0: yeah another thing that's possible is that it was the if there was a son that the son was the one who sent it probably, yeah you possible know? and I always thought that if that was the case then it probably was the one who had passed away mm-hmm. because that was the one that Don seemed the most attached to when he was making the list yeah you know so I that seemed to be the one that he truly regretted not being able to, to visit and make things right with so I, I, I kind of think that he wanted it to be her more than any of the other ones.
1: For me, what I believe uh, was my answer uh-huh. uh, to this film was that Sharon sent it, sent the letter. Oh, just to mess with him. No, I don't think to mess with him. I think to improve him as a person. I think it's because she could tell that he didn't have the ability to make a commitment, that he was stuck in the rut of just being with a woman and moving on and that's just the behavior that he had known so he was just kind of sticking with it so I think she did it to make him look inward yeah. and start to question it because if you tell someone hey, a relationship that you had before had an impact, like there, there's something left over from it, it's not fully done, Yeah, you're forcing that person to sift back through their life and confront the choices they've made yeah. and it does that
0: yeah and one of the things that I had written down and I think this this is a very salient point to this is that the movie themes the movie's theme seems to be a lack of answers to life's major questions you know um, everyone seems to be outwardly successful but inwardly they're lacking things you know and they're trying to, to reach inside themselves and find out these things especially Don because he's in terms of like stuff and success and what we would measure, as accomplishment he's got it all yeah you know but he's very lonely and very sad and doesn't know how to connect with people mm-hmm. you know so that's something that he has to work on and he can't seem to get that figured out
1: well it, it, it seems like it's because he didn't didn't and doesn't until maybe the end of the film value hu- human interaction and human relationships yeah you know like he just doesn't didn't get it um I think that's changing by the end of the film uh, because of the the inward looking he has to do um, to try and figure out if he has a son out there. Yeah. I would love to sit down with Jim Jarmusch and say, so... What was your idea behind it? Yeah, well,
0: no, not even that, but five, six years down the road, where would Don be?
1: And there might not be an answer for there that. There might
0: not be an answer, but there there could be a uh, something that that is very valuable
1: there sometimes with with films it's not necessarily about having a complete story it's no. about having a interesting enough question that you create and I think that's what this film was about in a lot of ways yeah, I think so in, in my opinion it definitely was um I'm trying to think if there was anything else that uh, uh no I mean I, I think we covered this yeah. film pretty well um and I, I think the reason is, it's not because there isn't much to talk about with it. Oh, there's a lot to talk about. I think it's because there's just, they're big ideas, and there are numerous things to talk about, but the way the film is paced, it's, there's a lot of space in between. Yeah. Uh, but it's intentional because you need that time for things to soak in, for the audience members to be able to formulate their own ideas and opinions about what's going on. Uh, I think that's really important with a lot of films, especially ones where they want you to think yeah because there have been films that I've watched and they're supposed to make you think, but the pacing is messed up yeah as in it's hitting you with too many things too fast and you, the audience member doesn't have the ability to let things sink in to make their own um, critical thinking happen, you yeah. know and then it's just like information overload information overload then there's really not much of a buy-in for the audience.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I feel like um we were talking about how well the the film is paced and everything mm-hmm. like that. I don't feel like there's too much and I don't feel like there's too little. And that's yeah, it's I I feel like good. I feel like that that's something that we haven't been able to say a lot recently about the films that we've seen. It always yeah. feels like the films are, are like a half an hour too long or maybe 10 minutes too short.
1: You know? Well, yeah, because there's always the issue of a lot of times directors want to put too much in. Yeah. They want the film, they want to draw shots out way too long. They want to do this, that, and the other. And then on the other end, the et- when it comes to the editing process. They don't want
0: to get rid of their babies.
1: Well, if they're involved in it. But you get a lot of uh, situations where the studios take liberties. Yeah. And they're like, we need to cut this down because we're looking for a certain runtime. Yeah. Or they just bring someone from the outside in to make their assessment of what needs cut down and what doesn't. And in a lot of those instances, I feel like they end up getting too chop happy. Yeah. And then you're getting, like kind of what I was talking about, with things where you need to think. Things are happening too fast and you're getting too much at once. You know, they're they're seeing these scenes and they're really like, oh, I feel like this scene's probably too long. But they're not the director. Right. They are not thinking on a macro level like... Is it overall for the film a good thing to make this a little bit longer so people have a little bit of time to kind of process Digest and catch and, up? And um and I would say that, you know, the Hunger Games movies are a good example of how there are a lot of instances where they just they do things a little too fast at certain moments. Yeah. So you're like, Whoa, what just happened? Yeah. Know, because you're on to the next thing already yeah, and yeah, I haven't yeah. even thought about what just happened. So
0: So anyway, do you want to go ahead and give your final take on Broken Flowers?
1: I can do that. Um, Broken Flowers is a well-scripted film. I think the directing was well done. I think the score is good, and the way it was integrated, I enjoyed. The acting, no problems with the acting. I didn't think there was anything that stood out as being off. Uh, I really liked how Bill Murray portrayed his character. The... um, kind of emotionlessness that he that he carried through it was well done, but also small kind of hints that he would make to the audience about this is kind of a comedic moment, I think really helped. Yeah. Um overall, I really enjoyed the movie. Like we were saying, you know, we haven't been able to say about many films that the pacing is kind of like where it should be. Yeah. Yeah, the pacing was where it should be. Um I like that it's mystery and I like how, you know, it, it didn't tie everything up with a pretty neat little bow at the end, a you know.
0: nice pink little bow, I think.
1: Yeah, a pink little bow, that's right. Um, and the, it just makes you think. It, it is one of those films that when you're done, it makes you continue to think. That said, I don't think it's the most compelling film I've ever seen. I don't think it's... It didn't blow me away. It wasn't phenomenal. I think it's really solid. Uh, and for that reason, I want to give it three and a half stars. I did enjoy it, and I would recommend it.
0: Okay. Um, so i liked the film a lot for what it was again like you said it wasn't something that um blew you away but it was something that was compelling to watch and i think that if you watch it again it might actually grow a lot in terms of what it Mm -hmm. offers i think there's enough there to make the film interesting for a second or even a third viewing which is not something that i would say often about a film um I think that this film did a great job of making sure that the cinematography did not get in the way of the story. And I agree it, with that. It did a good job of making sure that it, um, it was both open-ended, but it allowed, it drove the viewer's eyes to where it wanted them to be on the screen, uh, which is, is a deft thing to do. Yes. Um, and I'm, I was very impressed with Jarmusch's directing style. Uh, and I thought that he did a good job of working with the actors to get what he wanted.
1: Yeah, you know, it's funny. You were talking about, you know, directing where the audience should be looking. I, I'm As you said that, I was thinking in my head, like, replaying scenes. Because yeah. I just watched it not long ago. And I'm like, you know, come think of it. Everything that was supposed to be the focal point of each scene is what I was looking at. I didn't... Straight to look at scenery or like yeah. anything around yeah. the characters or whatever they're. It caught to.
0: your eye and it held it where it yeah. was supposed to be. That's good. Um, so for all of that, I'm. Um, I think I need to see it again to bring it higher in my estimation. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was a solid three star story. Okay. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and keep it there.
1: So three and a quarter stars overall for the podcast. Good showing. Very good showing. Seth Harris, thank you very much for making the recommendation of Broken Flowers. Uh, we did enjoy it. And I'm always down to see a Bill Murray film. And I feel like this is important for people who like Bill Murray to see this in Lost in Translation. Yeah. Uh, because it's a straight kind of character. And he doesn't do that very often.
0: No, it's typically over the top characters.
1: For yeah. Me. I mean, you can see that he can do a lot of different acting. Yeah. If, if he has those roles, you know? Yeah. Um, if you want to send in anyone out there a recommendation for a film, you want us to do something. You can go ahead and email us at uh, mostexcellentmovienight at gmail mm-hmm. Let us know what you want. If you want that to get jumped to the front uh, and do it very soon, we don't you we don't always get to it like immediately, so mean, immediately. But that'll be our next one that we do.
0: And also, you got to remember that we kind of bank the episodes right. when we record them. Yes.
1: So let us know then what you want. But if you want it to be very soon, then go ahead and give us a review and rating on iTunes, and then let us know that you did that and say, and then here is my pick. So when you do that, we'll jump it up. Otherwise, we have a very large Excel file that has all the movies that have been recommended. I think and it's over 200 movies. There are a lot on there. So if you just give us one and you don't give us a review, it could be waiting for years. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, place. yeah. You know.
0: <laughs> well, and also, this, like you said, you um, Netflix takes things down all yes. the time. We try and get to them when they're still available, but sometimes we notice, oh, look, a film is leaving in three days. we right. got to get this one reviewed quicker yes. than the other ones. So sometimes that happens.
1: And like we don't go through every month and look at the entire Excel spreadsheet and see what's on Netflix streaming and what's not. So. Right,
0: right. Hard and to manage. There's a lot of good movies that were just released, though. So yeah. we might have to look at our fan selections again and see what's coming up. You got it. All right, well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Carlin and Jordan's Most Excellent Movie Night. We hope that you have a great week, and we hope that you
1: watch a great movie that you'll, you'll want, uh, want to share with us. Have a good one. You've been listening to Carlin and Jordan's Most Excellent Movie Night. Our
0: theme music was provided by Sweet Wave Audio. To find more royalty-free music for your own projects, check out
1: sweetwaveaudio.co.uk. And special thanks to Ariana Ramos for her graphic design savvy helping us with our album art.
0: Visit our website at mostexcellentmovienight.com to listen to other episodes, give us your opinion, and share with us other movies you'd like
1: to have reviewed. You can also contact us through our email address, mostexcellentmovienight.com at gmail.com. We would love to read them on the air.
0: Also, if you could rate and review the podcast on iTunes, we would be your friends for life.
1: For sure. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to Carlin and Jordan's Most Excellent Movie Night. Where movies are most excellent.
0: This has been a Nerd Circle Podcast production.